You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 68. Well, welcome back, Curd Nerds. I'm Gavin Weber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Uh, this week's cheese that I've been making was a farmhouse cheddar blue. Very interesting variation on a stir curd cheddar. Uh, I found that by following a stir curd cheddar recipe, which is fairly simple to make, uh, you don't actually need to do the cheddaring process to expel a lot of the whey and make that cheddary texture. Um, I added some Penicillium Roque 40 to the mix and uh, hopefully, all going well, we should see some mould growth in the mechanical holes that are usually present uh, in a stir curd cheddar because really it's very hard to press to get it all to knit the rind um, together. So I'm hoping with um, fingers crossed and bated breath that we will get some blue vein action within the cheese. Anyway, that's a bit about uh, the cheese, so let's have a listen to some news. And this one's a bit of a long one. Now, this is a recent interview with a lady called Karen Painter, uh, who uh, I think she's the owner now of uh, Wombai Cheese Company, which is a little artisan cheese company in the uh, Queensland hinterland just north of Brisbane. Now, it's recorded by ABC, and I appreciate that uh, they own the content, but I'm going to play it anyway because the interview is so bittersweet. Um, it's a good story but it is a sad story as well so let me just play that for you high on a hill in the sunshine coast hinterland cheesemaker stefan wilson is hand stirring a thousand liters of creamy milk transforming it into triple cream brie each wheel will include a thin central layer of rich Italian truffle paste. We've got the milk fresh and received this morning. And then we've added the starter cultures and the rennet to get to where it is now. It takes about four hours to make it and then tomorrow we'll get brined. And then after tomorrow it takes ten days ready to eat. So there's a lot of work goes into this handmade cheese. A lot of work, a lot of love. <laughs> This carefully crafted artisan cheese was the brainchild of Graham Painter. And as Karen Painter explains, the story of how Wombai Cheese Company came to be was anything but ordinary. My husband, Graham, and I were living in Singapore and we'd been there for about oh, six years. And Graham was a VP of sales and marketing and I was a lawyer. We decided we'd had enough of the corporate life and we wanted to come back to Australia. So I still had a job, so that was fine. We were watching Will Stud cheese slices on TV and that particular episode was of this lady in Ireland making cheese in this little tiny stone shed out the back of her house. She had a really small tiny vat and she just made cheese and Graham said to me oh I could do that 
And I just said, oh, don't be ridiculous. You know, he'd had a bottle of red wine and I thought, oh, God, he's off. And he goes, no, really, I think that's what we should do. At first, Karen Painter didn't make much of it. She'd nicknamed Graham the Cloud Man because he was brimming with brilliant but impractical ideas. But he drafted a business plan, consulted with friends and his sister-in-law, Sandra Cadby. The next thing Karen knew, she was a landowner. I didn't even see the place. He'd already bought it. He sent me an email and said, oh, what do you think? The steamroller continued. It just became bigger than being hurt. It was just ridiculous. He designed all the factory. He rang all these tradies all around to source the materials he needed to make the factory. How he knew how to do it, I have no idea. And then he went to the Dairy Association in Werribee in Victoria and did a five-day cheesemaking course. He wasn't a chef, but he could cook anything, and he did everything by taste. So making cheese for him was just like a recipe. The Wombai Cheese Company was born. Um, I absolutely cried when the first time I ate it because I just couldn't believe it was so good. And the weird thing was every other cheese we made, the triple cream brie, uh, we didn't start making the wash rind for a while, but you know the triple cream brie and the camembert were just absolutely beautiful and exactly like they are today from the very beginning. I didn't work in the factory then, I just did bits and pieces of wrapping and You're all of those busy things. with your law career. I was upstairs wheeling and dealing and bringing in the bucks to pay for everything. And after about three months, we'd made about five or six batches of cheese and it was all still in the chiller sitting there. And I said to Graham, well, what are you going to do with it? And he goes, oh, I don't know. And I said, right, well, get an esky. Off you go. Go and see the local delis. Go and see the local chefs. Go and have a chat to everybody because he could talk the leg off an iron pot. And so that's what he did. He just swapped his briefcase for his esky, went out with all our product. And to this day, I am absolutely gobsmacked. Every day he came back and he said, oh, these people are taking our cheese. I love it. By 2014, Mumbai Cheese had to double the size of its factory to meet demand, adding a chill room and signing with distributor Black Pearl to send their cheese to stores and restaurants around Australia. It just went boom. It just was crazy. Sandra Cadby took over orders and distribution, introducing a computer system to keep track of inventory and batches. It was all a bit of a shock to her brother-in-law. We forced him to get a bit organised. It became a bit of a joke because he was using the old barter system. He'd take some cheese to somebody and they'd give him a bottle of wine. I said, where's the payment for that cheese you took? Oh, I've got a nice bottle of wine here next time you come up. I said, no, I need the cash to balance it off in the books. (gasps) But just as business was booming in 2015, Graham Painter was diagnosed with a cancerous tumour that spread from his liver to stomach and bowel. That September, Karen's much-loved, larger-than-life cloud man was gone. We seriously considered selling the business, but Graham made me promise to give it a crack and not to just close it down. He wanted me to do it. So, um, so I promised him that I would. With the help of Karen's sister and brother-in-law Barry and cheesemaker Stefan Wilson and his team, Mumbai Cheese Company's retail range now includes triple cream brie, truffle triple cream brie, camembert, cheddar and a black or gold washed rind that won gold at the Sydney Royal Show, then the Australian Grand Dairy Awards. Thank goodness for Sandra because there's no way I could have done it without her. And how proud would he be if he could look now and see all the awards you've been winning? He'd be be super proud. He would be super proud. He would be exploding with excitement because his passion has become a reality. His passion turned into a reality and, you know, it's all from his groundwork. That was... (laughs) 
it got me tearing up myself. That was a, a great little interview. And thank you to the ABC um, for recording that. Uh, let me just take a minute here. Oh, goodness. Yes, like I said, it was a, uh, a bittersweet. Um, a new story. Um, they've gone on to win multiple awards uh, and have started distributing their cheeses throughout Australia. An absolutely fantastic story. Um, unfortunately, uh, Graham passed away, as we know, a couple of years back. So, anyway, let me move on. All right, on to listener questions. And this first one is from Amanda. Hi, Gavin. I had a few questions for you. Um, this is Amanda in Alaska again. I have been very successful in the past with my cheese, thanks to you and your tutorials. I really appreciate it. But um, lately, I have the last two batches of cheese I've made, they haven't dried out when they've been on the counter to form a rind. They never really formed a rind, and they didn't... They were just always kind of moist. And one time it was kind of like had a slimy kind of feeling on them. And I was wondering what could cause that. Um, one of them was cheddar. And then just recently I just made Gouda. And I've done that in the past and it's always been successful. And for some reason when I went to take it out of the cheese press, I would pull the cheesecloth off, cheesecloth off and it would, it pulled away some of the cheese like there was a rind kind of woven into like smashed into the cheesecloth so it pulled off the outside of the cheese with it and then it never really dried out it just kind of bulged out and looked kind of weird and it was really soft so and that cheese also I didn't brine it before I let it I mean I didn't brine it after I took it out of the cheese press because um, I didn't have any brine made up and I just wanted to see what the difference would be but I don't think that would have anything to do with the texture. Anyways, I'm wondering if it was, if it could be the temperature when it's drying. Does that cause it to not dry out? Does it need to be in a cooler environment? But it's just kind of odd. I've never had that happen before and I've been very successful in the past. And it's happened two or three times now. Alright, thank you. I hope that you are enjoying your time down yonder. <laughs> All right, that was really dumb. Okay, bye. Thanks, Amanda, for your uh, voicemail. Now, I happen to know from previous uh, exchanges that you milk your own cows. Now, cow's milk, as well as any other mammal's milk, is very seasonal in the amount of milk solids that it has in it. Now, if this has only happened recently for a couple of cheeses, then I would tend to say that it's the actual milk itself um, it's probably got a higher content of milk solids, um, maybe due to calfing. Um, so I would tend to think that for the cheeses you make um, straight after calfing when there are more milk solids available, that you would need to stir these cheeses a little bit longer. Also to help with the stickiness um, with cheesecloth, what you can do is you can just spray the cheesecloth with a little bit of white vinegar before you pop the cheese into the mould, and that actually helps prevent the cheese from becoming interwoven into the cheesecloth itself. Uh, what is happening is 
the curds are holding too much whey because you need to stir a bit longer because of the solids, uh, and uh, the cur- the sorry the whey gets locked up into the curd itself. Um, I found that before myself. So hopefully there's a couple of hints to help you on your merry way. Uh, and thanks for your question, Amanda. Now the next question is from Glenn. Hi, Gavin. My name is Glenn. I have made uh, the Stilton cheese from your recipe several times with success, and it is quite amazing. My question is, I've had a few uh, batches that I get soft spots on the cheese at the top or the bottom one month into the aging process. I'm wondering if that's uh, gone south already or if I can resurrect it in some way, shape, or form. Um, I tried taking the lid off to air dry it a little bit and it seems to help for a day or so, but then it starts to get um, squishy again. Uh, That's my question. I'd like to know what your thoughts are on that. Uh, Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, I uh, kind of know what you mean. Um, It sometimes happens to me when I'm ripening using, uh, maturing using ripening boxes. And what happens is condensation builds up on the lid of the ripening box and it drips down onto the cheese and this tends because it's a really moist area tends to become infected then with uh, either pink mold or brevibacterium linens and what you can do is because the cheese is uh, there's a lot of evaporation going and the cheese is very moist within the first a uh, month or so, you really do need to make sure that the box, the ripening box, keeps dry because the cheese itself is producing enough humidity. Uh, however, after about a month, when the cheese starts to dry out a little bit, it probably would help if you're creating a natural rind to put a damp piece of paper towel that's been folded over down underneath the rack that you sit the cheese on. So that's what tends to happen if the cheese gets too moist, it gets these soft spots on it because water is dripping down off of the lid. That's the only thing I can really think of that I've experienced personally. But if anybody has uh, any other information or knows of the trouble Glenn's having, then leave a comment in the uh, the associated blog post with this podcast episode over at littlegreencheese.com. Anyway, we'll move on to the next question, and this is just a simple thank you from Sean, but it's quite funny. Gavin, I'm not even kidding when I say this. Your cheesemaking kits have made my cheesemaking hobby at home so much easier. You tore... Yeah, sorry, I'm slightly inebriated at the moment. Apologies. Your tutorials on YouTube are wonderful. Your personality is such a pleasure just to sit down and watch and listen to. All in all, I've greatly enjoyed the experience of being one of your YouTube subscribers and a fellow curd nerd. Good luck, God bless, and have a wonderful week. Thanks, Sean. Really appreciate that. Thanks. And uh, so glad that you're one of the many, many um, hundreds, or not hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of subscribers over on my YouTube channel, cheeseman.tv, which will whisk your way to that. Okay, the next, uh, I think this is a thank you as well. This one's from David. Oh, hi, Gavin. My name's Dave. I'm calling from Canberra. I've just been looking at your videos and I've made the first, um, uh, my first cheese, which is a bit of a hybrid of everything that you've got. But um, anyway, um, uh, no advice requested yet because I, I guess I'll have to make a few mistakes. But I just wanted to say that I really appreciate 
you sharing all of the uh, information uh, freely on the uh, on the web. I've purchased some materials from another supplier prior to discovering your um, uh, your uh, YouTube videos, but um, on the basis that you've done a fine thing by sharing your information, uh, next time I need to buy anything, I'll come and see you. Oh, won't see you, but I'll check you out on the internet. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, David. I, uh, I appreciate it. I think that you have indeed popped over to littlegreenworkshops.com.au and purchased some supplies from there. Thank you very much. Okay, the last question of the day is from Santiago, who lives in Hong Kong and is, I think, the highest um, cheesemaker in the whole of Hong Kong, seeing I think he lives on the 40th-something floor of uh, his apartment building. Anyway, over to Santiago. Hi, Gavin. Santiago from uh, Hong Kong. Uh, just just a quick, a quick uh, uh, comment. Um, I have made three batches of uh, cheese following uh, different recipes, but always with the maximum eight uh, liters that I can uh, use uh, in my double boiler. And um, the difference in yields is actually fascinating. The first one uh, was a Cheshire, a Cheshire Blue, and that looks uh, quite good. The other two have been done with the um, mold um, you sent me, the one, the, the big one. I think it's the 165. Um, a Colby, which looks um, quite good. It's air drying at the moment. And a cheddar following your uh, recipe uh, with only one uh, minor change. And in, that is that I cheddared for two hours and not uh, for the 45 minutes you, you say. Um, it is now in the uh, last, I mean, in the 24-hour pressing period, and it's a pancake, literally a pancake. Um, it's a third uh, of the um, of the height of um, of the uh, Colby uh, with the same mold and the same amount of milk. Just commenting, uh, and thank you again for uh, for all your help to the uh, cheese-making community. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, Santiago. Um, I think in relation to your question, cheddaring, the cheddaring process itself does tend to expel a fair bit of whey. So if you've gone from, say, 45 minutes, which I recommend in my cheddar video, to two hours, you would have got a uh, well, an, another amount of whey, so that's like double the amount of whey that would have been expelled. So I dare say that's probably half the issue. You will find that that cheddar, well, maybe, um, that cheddar will be quite uh, dry, quite crumbly, which may be what you're after, but uh, it does decrease the yield a lot. Now, in future, if you want to cheddar your cheese a lot longer like you have, I would suggest increasing the milk yield by at least another 25%, uh, and that will certainly help out. Anyway, thanks again for your questions, Santiago. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. 
Well, that's all we've got time for this week. For any upcoming cheesemaking workshop dates, pop over to littlegreencheese.com. You can also find my ebook, Keep Calm and Make Cheese, The Beginner's Guide to Cheesemaking at Home, which is available in all good ebook retailers. Don't forget that you can find my cheesemaking video tutorials over at cheeseman.tv. Just type that into your browser. Thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and stay tuned for the next episode of Little Green Cheese Podcast. If you are in the market for any cheesemaking kits, supplies, or equipment, you can pop over to littlegreenworkshops.com.au. Thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and I'll see you next time. During this podcast, you heard royalty-free music by Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop, News Theme, and Call to the Dairy Cows. (laughs) 